Last time on Montreal Sauce. It seems like every time I walk into this room, something inappropriate is happening. I'm leaving again. Did you say, like, in your email, too, actually at some point here and there between positions, you did some translation work as well? Yes, yes. I did um, translation work for the police, actually. Um, Basically, uh, a lot of times they have defendants that, you know, only speak Spanish or, you know, whatever, or they need a transcript in Spanish translated to English, stuff like that. I was doing that for two years, actually. Um, And, you know, I I can't say that I, I didn't enjoy it because it was very, I was actually really good at, uh, transcripts in that, like, I have a very good ear for accents and for, um, you know, like if somebody mumbles, I could kind of tell what they're saying. Um, so, and it was an easy job and, you know, very strict, like from eight to four and then you go home and you don't have to think about it. Um, so, yeah, I did that for two years. That's just fascinating to me just because um, I, you know, I did my quota of like, you have to learn another language in high school and then completely stopped. So, um, <laughs> so it's fascinating to me now, like as a user of like various tools online to translate things where they just like, they're machines, so they're translating word for word. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so and first, sometimes it makes no sense, or, or yeah. like they're they're not familiar with some idiom, and so it just comes out all wrong, <laughs> <laughs> or worse, oh. offensive. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, I there was. Uh, that's always interesting too is like you said the the local part of language too like the idioms that people just don't know mm-hmm. like there's so many of them like uh, I'm trying to remember I had a a work uh, mate um someone I worked with who knew Spanish and she used to always say um she always used to say two things at work when she got mad and one of them I wish I could remember it Wow, I've finally forgotten it after all these years. But I was like, what am I saying? Because I would say it after her or pick it up. And mm-hmm. she's like, I don't know. It's something my grandma used to say. It translates to something about a goat. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay. And then she would also like get angry, like stub her toe or something because we mm-hmm. worked in a warehouse. And she would also utter um, something else that uh, – And she would never tell me what it meant. And so finally I was with someone who knew Spanish and I, I said it myself and they were like, where did you learn that? And I was like, this woman I work with and she won't tell me what it means. What's mean? I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) So one day we were like going to the beach and we stopped at a convenience store and, uh, we saw some people, um, uh, obviously speaking Spanish. And I said, Hey, I'm going to go ask them what this means. And she like grabbed my arm and she's like, okay, I will tell you what that means. (laughs) (laughs) And she said, it basically means go F your mom. And I was like, Oh, that's what I've been saying all this time. Oh, that must've been tu madre. That's right. You got it. (laughs) 
And then I was just sort of flabbergasted that this, you know, 40 some, 40 or 50 some year old lady that I worked with in a warehouse would like sputter these things out when she like got mad. Yeah, but at the same time, they they kind of become, you know how, you know how when you read the same word over and over, it kind of loses, you kind of look at it and you don't realize that it's a word anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think, I think that happens with curse words where, you know, it, you have the literal translation of what it means, but really that's just a thing that you say when you stub your toe. (laughs) Right. You're, you're exactly right. I mean, even in the English language, it makes no sense for me to yell that word at my toe. (laughs) (laughs) It's most likely impossible, but I'm sure there's a website that shows I'm wrong. Um, (laughs) But yeah, that uh, yeah translation. I that I'm amazed by that because I I have no skills, as I said. <laughs> so I know that that has to be like some interesting work. And like you said, you probably had some great stories since you worked for the police. <laughs> yeah, but I can't talk about that. <laughs> right. <laughs> She's like, do you want to know that you found the thing that I can't talk about? Right. <laughs> You want to know the door code to get into Boeing in California? Here you go. But I can't tell you. <laughs> no, uh, but I mean, actually, it 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 was it's it was really second nature to me because, like I said, I I was an army brat, and so my first language is actually Spanish, and I learned English when I was three. Two, I would say, I started learning English when I was probably three, and I finished by the time I got to kindergarten. Um, and it's funny because my grades in kindergarten weren't that great uh, because I still was, you know, primarily a Spanish speaker. Um, so uh, I, I don't think that teachers really knew what to do with me, but eventually I got it. And now it's just, it's just second nature. Um, and so I would say to you, if you're interested, uh, exposure just, you know, talk to your, have your Spanish friends talk to you. It's true. Yeah. I, I had a trip, uh, a week long trip in Mexico, but I got sun poisoning on that trip and I learned, um, a, a great deal of language cause I couldn't sleep because the, my back was full of blisters. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I watched a lot of movies. You, and got, you know, people could die from that. You could have gotten sun poisoned. Yes. So oh I, I learned a lot of Spanish um, from uh, watching, I'm not joking, Home Alone in Spanish on TV. Oh, really? so. <laughs> well, that, that's actually a great example because you already know the gist of the movie. And so you yep. can kind of follow along. It was great. Like I went to the market, like, the you know, and like I started talking to people. And this was like a long time ago in the 90s. And uh, um and so I went to an Internet cafe to like check my email and say hi to people. And I went to the front counter and I ordered time and got myself a drink. And there was a girl behind me. And um, and so then she said, that was really good. And I was like, oh, thanks. And I said, uh, do you need help? She's like, no, I can do it. And then she like ordered her own time and 
she said, how long have you been here? And I was like, oh, I'm just on vacation. <laughs> so I felt really <laughs> proud of myself when she asked that. And it turned out that she had like moved there from Ohio and she'd been there for like three months. And I was like, oh, well, it's still a good compliment that you thought I was living here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But of course, you know, like you said, it's all about exposure and that hasn't happened in Canada. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. you're getting lots of exposure to maple syrup and an, and a slight accent. Yeah. Right. And snow. Okay. And snow. <laughs> and hockey. <Yeah. laughs> it's Western Canada. Sorry, uh, Jacob. He's like, yeah, Quebec, Quebec. You could, you could uh, <laughs> get some exposure to French at least. Yeah, out here everyone's like, what's that? Why is there another language on our packaging? <laughs> <laughs> it's weird to see the occasional French speaker out here, seriously. But there is like a, a town um, probably 20 or 30 minutes away that's like like probably 90% French speaking, I'm told. I haven't mm-hmm. gone there. <laughs> um but yeah, so I guess I could take on some French if I was brave. Um, <laughs> actually, no, it would be Canadian French because there's a difference. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, <clears throat> so Puerto Rico. Do you know what the difference is? I wouldn't know the difference. Like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess you would have to know French. Well, um, I wonder how exposed Jacob is. We can ask him. Uh, there is a difference. It's. It's kind of funny, like my um, in-laws, yes, accent and slang. Yeah, yeah, slang, totally. Um, mm. But yeah, the accent is even a little weird. Okay. Um, but yeah, um, it's funny. My in-laws are, they they actually lived in Quebec um, when my wife was born. And they're like, the laws are so strict there about the language um, that they decided to move over here to get away from <laughs> it, wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't that like they didn't want to expose uh, my wife to French it was just like I think a lot of those schools it's like English is a second language in those schools and they yeah. didn't want that mm-hmm. um, so so but they always joke with me <laughs> I, I steal their joke it's funny but they're like um, people in France think that like the people in Quebec are even crazy. Like in France, they even have like stop signs that say stop in English. They don't mm-hmm. say it in French. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's actually funny. Uh, I find that that happens in Puerto Rico also where you have like this population that's, that's uh, isolated from the mother tongue. Right. And so they, they try super hard. Like they try harder than the, you know, the people in France or in Spain to keep the language pure. And I just find that really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's why um, it's, it seems a little silly to me in Quebec because I mean, even Jacob saying in the <laughs> chat room that people in France often need subtitles to understand someone from Quebec. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I completely understand your argument to like, keep like, you know, your culture and your language, but you're not, your language sounds different than French people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, if you've got somebody who's got a really thick Scottish or Irish accent and sometimes you're kind of like, what could you just slow that down a little bit? <laughs> I couldn't hear it through all the R's. <laughs> 
Yeah. No, I, I do sometimes have to have subtitles if it's a very, very thick English. Sure. Um, I mean, I'm not a thick English, but in English as the language and, you know. Right. With whatever. some kind of an accent right, to right. it. For sure. Yeah. And so there, I mean, we've uh, definitely gotten rid of the people who accidentally tuned in because Montreal is in the title. Uh, <laughs> 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 but uh, so you were born in Puerto Rico then? Yes, I was born in Puerto Rico. Um, and my Both of my parents are Puerto Rican. Um, but yeah, my, since uh, Puerto Rico is a U.S. territory, uh, my dad enlisted in the Army. And so we uh, traveled all over. Yeah, I was just, uh, I was just watching a piece from John Oliver's show about territories and how ridiculous it is, <laughs> ridiculous it is that you still can't vote. <laughs> yeah, um, the, yeah, the whole political status is kind of a sore subject in Puerto Rico. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be... Uh, it, yeah, it's, it's really, there's people, it's very polarized and there's people that believe that, you know, Puerto Rico should be the 51st state. There's people that think that it should be completely independent. Um, and then there's, you know, the middle ground of people that are like, Hey, we've got a good thing going. Why would you mess it up? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but like I said, it's, it's very contentious, uh, uh, and, and ultimately I think the, the contention hinges on the fact that it's kind of a unilateral relationship in that Puerto Rico is kind of the property of Congress. And well, if you know how the United States Congress operates, you know that it is extremely dysfunctional. So that's who we have to answer to. And it's just nuts. Yes. Yes, his piece is very good. I recommend watching it if you haven't. Like the fact that like everything hinges on a law, like from nineteen oh one or something ridiculous. Oh yeah, the the insular cases. Yes. Yes. Uh, basically, uh, the insular cases is kind of a racist justification for our status. Uh, uh, basically, the insular cases kind of. They they say that since Puerto Rican culture is so different, um, you know, you can't possibly integrate it into the United States. But you know, they they did it in a in a very kind of racist way. Yes, <laughs> but, but it was nineteen twelve. You know, sure. Yeah, it was. Yeah, he even. What's great is Oliver is you know from <laughs> Britain, so mm -hmm. he he read the language, which is basically what you hinted to it just basically says something like you know how can like some of these cultures with completely different language understand our anglo-saxon laws right and, and so he's just like wow that's pretentious for even me and i'm british right <laughs> <laughs> and so it's it's a great piece but it just it blows your mind like wait a second that's a really good question <laughs> mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah, and it's still up in the air. Um, uh, every few years, there's a flare up, and you know that Puerto Rico will hold some kind of referendum. But at the end of the day, like 
regardless of what's decided in the referendum, Congress still has to, you know, draft a law, pass, you know, some kind of resolution, put it into a committee, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah, there has to be some kind of a thumbs up from them for any right. actual action to happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which, yes, that th- those things don't move very well anymore. <laughs> no, no, they sure don't. Say that. <laughs> <laughs> I would mention uh, there's a couple of good uh, videos from CGP Gray, who is who uh, does the Hello Internet podcast as well. Uh, but he does several YouTube videos, and one of them is that the whole uh, American Empire thing of um, what's defining the differences between states, territories, protectorates, what are all of the things that are considered part of and or property of the United States. Mm. Um, He does that and he does a similar one for what's the difference between like England and Great Britain and what, what, what do those two things mean? Um, And he goes into all of that as well. So we'll, I would uh, have to check that out. Yeah. We'll toss those into the show notes They're They're uh, I think they're like six or seven minutes long, but uh, he, he does a really good little animated thing that uh, sort of clarifies it, but then deluges you with so much information that you're Mm -hmm. not really sure you know anymore, but you know that there's a lot of information. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I need to watch that as well because every time I interchange those two words, my wife who taught in uh, Great Britain for a while, she always looks at me like I'm doing something horrible wrong. <laughs> when If you say England instead of Great Britain. Yeah. 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 Or like yeah. the United Kingdom. Yes, the mark? United Kingdom. <laughs> all All three of those are actually distinct separate things. Hmm. So, yeah. Y- yes. Yes, so she's always giving me like the uh, crazy, like <laughs> uneducated American I married. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll probably get it totally wrong, but I think the United Kingdom is the most inclusive of all of them. Meaning, the United Kingdom includes uh, includes Ireland. Like it's the it's all of the all of the Isles essentially, or more or less all of the Isles. I might even have that wrong now that I'm thinking about it. I think that I think you've got like the largest term is like the British Isles, which is sort of everything in that region. And then you've got the United Kingdom, which is like Northern Ireland, plus everything on the um, on the larger of the two islands. And then you've got Great Britain, which is basically the larger of the two islands. Um, And now I'm totally and then you've got England, which is just like the the southern portion of uh, which includes, which then it actually has London, which is the capital of basically all of that. Mm. So, <laughs> okay, wow, I, I yeah. think I'm, I'm going to hold out for the animated. Version. You're going to have to see the animated version because it gets so much more complicated than that, okay. and I'm sure 90 percent of it well, that what I that I just said was wrong anyway. So, <laughs> no, I, I I mean I have faith in you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I for one apologize to our friends across the pond. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, if you could take me through the different provinces in Canada so I don't get those confused <laughs> with the actual cities. I can't do that. I'm sorry. I, know. <laughs> I was trying to figure that out one day. I was like, so 
Wait, because in the U.S., usually the basketball teams or the sports teams, they're all like cities. But yep. then, like... Sometimes they're not. I know, and sometimes they're not. So I'm always like, I always think like, that's my key to know like in Canada if it's a actual province or the city. <laughs> <laughs> you just go by sports teams? Well, to know, like, okay, like, that must be a city because there's a sports team named after it. Oh, and it's I see. not the province. But then um, it's not a good rule of thumb. And then my wife, one day <laughs> when I was trying to use this rule, I was like, see, it would work if it wasn't for. And she was like, Chris, you you realize, like, the, you have 50 states in the U.S., but there's only, like, 12 to 14 provinces. <laughs> I was like, oh, I could, you could probably, just learn them. Yes. <laughs> I could probably commit that to memory, couldn't I? Oops. I think I'm going to have to sit in on her grade two class when they do geography. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, why don't you draw me the shape of Rhode Island? <laughs> yes. That would be an interesting exercise in Canada, draw the shape of the province, because most of them are just like straight up and down. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It really has a lot to do with uh, which translation of the map you're using, right? Because if you, they follow those latitudes. So if you're using like the, the Mercator projection, you're going to have to get a really curvy line going. <laughs> wow. Dropping the science. Boom. Sorry. Science. <laughs> I'm sure map projections are one of our fans' favorite topics. So <laughs> maybe we should get a guest on from Britain. Yeah, talk. we could do that. <laughs> to talk map projections. I like this. <laughs> I'll have to watch that CPG Gray video first so that I don't offend this person, depending on which area they're from. <laughs> no, we've been lucky that they're they're in a completely different time zone, so it's been hard to have them as a guest and offend them. <laughs> they're like 13 hours off <laughs> otherwise it would happen it totally would. Yeah. i swear you either have to go super late at night or super early in the morning and it's going to be the opposite for the other person so yep i'm actually going to try that this summer boom little so, bonus podcast so i see on your github uh, which I believe I'm going to start following soon, uh, that you uh, write quite a bit of Python or yes. you at least experiment with uh, quite a bit of Python. Yes. I, you know, besides my foray into basic when I was 10 and <laughs> some dabbling in JavaScript when I was in high school, uh, I, I didn't program that much uh, until I found Python. Because there's something about the user experience of Python um, that's really appealing to me. Because um, the thing is that even in JavaScript, I write like really indented, uh, super organized code. Mm -hmm. And so in Python, that, that spacing actually has a semantic meaning. And so it just clicked. It makes sense. We could do away with curly braces, do away with semicolons. Just look at my spacing, um, use your words, and and make a program. And there's something about that that really clicked with me. And so I want to say I only started programming in Python about a, a year and a half ago. 
Um, but after that, it has just been nonstop because it's awesome. I have heard that phrase uh, with people who use Python, use your words. <laughs> well, the thing, like one of the mantras of Python is to like be explicit. And, you know, the English uh, allows you to convey, uh, you know, a meaning and have other people understand it. And there's no reason why you can't get a computer to do that if you have a very structured language. And so, you know, you don't you don't need to do these these curly braces or anything like that to to have the computer understand like this is a chunk of stuff and I want you to consider this, you know, together. And then this over here is a separate but you know, it's it's its own little chunk. And so, you do that with spaces and like how you organize your code. Um, and so, you know, now that I think about it, it probably appeals to my artist side as well, because you, it's very visual. You see, um, how your code is organized based on the indentation. Um, and there's, yeah, just something about that, that clicked with me. Nice. Yeah. I, I do not dabble. (laughs) (laughs) i've tried many times i can uh i can really mess up some html or css because i just keep poking it until i get it to work but uh yeah (laughs) java has outsmarted me most times and any other language but i haven't tried many to be fair well i i really recommend python and another great thing about it it had is it has, it's really extensible. So if someone wrote a tool that makes it very easy to create, you know, HTTP requests, you can just pull that into your code. Um, You know, if someone made a tool that makes it very easy to um, navigate the file system, you could just pull that in as well. And, and so it, it caters to, collaborating and and so you don't have to know you know the nitty-gritty bare metal you know how to send a packet across the wire to be able to you know parse a web page because there's packages that you can pull in and and get you to it gets you to the fun part very quickly i'll say that ah Jacob agrees with you. He seconds all of your opinions. <laughs> <laughs> you can pull my semicolons from my cold, dead hands. <laughs> but that's okay. No judgment. I, uh, I too, program in Python occasionally, and I, I do enjoy it. The, the whole um, – all of the tools that they have around package management and, like, you're talking about making nice modular code that you can pull in – like independent tools, open source mm-hmm. stuff, and really plug things together very quickly is something that I is a huge, huge strength of Python. And right. that is honestly, lots of other languages are trying to copy as quickly as they can um, <laughs> because it, because it does make your um, it makes your code I in a lot of ways it makes your code a lot more dependable because there are large swaths of functionality that aren't actually your code that's somebody right. else's code and they spent a lot of time getting it working and so it works right yes you should all learn Python 
Uh oh, Jacob is coughing in the chat room. Yeah, he says he says ES six. Which I believe is uh the next one of the next iterations of the JavaScript language where they're right. yeah. uh, doing more um even more making semicolons optional and or missing going going missing altogether. You know, I've seen that and I actually appreciate a lot of the stuff that is going on in JavaScript. They I I think that before you really needed jQuery or some other framework to really make anything useful, whereas now um, the language itself is useful enough that you could just code in vanilla JavaScript and and you can make useful things without having to depend on external libraries. So yeah, I do appreciate the progress that they're making there, but still you should learn Python. <laughs> <laughs> What kind of uh, radical projects do you have on your uh, GitHub? Um, right now, I I'm working on something to put on my website <laughs> uh, because right now it's just you know a single page that directs you to your my Twitter and my GitHub. Um, I'm trying to make something that uh that will it kind of speaks to what I was talking to before where I can kind of center my life on my website and then it will push things to social networks as needed ah. um, so you know I I could write a status on my website and then you have some kind of syndication process that pushes it to Twitter, you know, um, or something like that. And it's kind of working, <laughs> but uh, not something that I would make live just yet. Um, I I actually have been uh, just kind of absorbing uh, the practices of a bunch of different projects, like the... I really like how the posts posts are structured in Tent, um, and I really like what the indie web guys are doing. Um, they yeah. normally orga- organize around indiewebcamp.com. Um, so I think that there's a lot of people that have a lot of ideas, and I'm just trying to crystallize it into something, <laughs> something, and I, and I'm not sure yet. Um, uh, another thing that I have on my GitHub is something to to create like a uh, a file browser for your SyncThing files. Um, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with SyncThing. It's kind of an open source Dropbox kind of, um, except you don't need really a, a central server to keep your stuff. You can host it on your computer and then basically you you write down a code and wherever else that you want to sync stuff, you just, you know, type that code into the app and it will start syncing, you know, whatever folder that you've assigned to it. Um, and I think it's a really cool idea and it allows people to be able to get into this 
this movement of uh, taking control of your data without having to put it on a server somewhere. Um, And I know Jacob Cook is working on that also with ArcOS and all the great stuff they're doing over there. Um, So basically what I'd like to do is sync thing is great, but it, it, you have to sync the entire folder and that's not something that I would necessarily want to do on my phone. So, so I, I want to write some kind of like little file browser thing that I could access from the web somehow that will let me download specific files without having to sync the entire folder. Uh, and those are the two significant ones. Other, the other stuff on my GitHub is, um, you know, forks of other projects where I, you know, contributed a, a tiny thing and then just kind of left it there. <laughs> um, and a lot of like experiments that kind of went nowhere, but I left them up. Um, so yeah, like I said, I, I've only been, pro- I haven't even been programming that long. So I'm still kind of wildly trying to absorb everything. Wow. You should, uh, I don't even know really how to explain it, but I should probably explain what GitHub is for my mom who's listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, hmm. actually GitHub is, uh, my, inspiration for what I would like art collaboration to be because um, GitHub is a, a a central place where programmers go to share code and basically if you have an open source project um, you put it on GitHub and other other programmers can uh, check out your code and maybe you know fix any bugs that they find or submit issues or you know ask you a question. And so it's a really great platform for collaborating. And by now it has become the de facto place where you put your open source stuff to have people look at it and, you know, and be able to collaborate in that way. Um, And so I just wish there were, there was a GitHub for music and a GitHub for visual art and a GitHub for videos. Um, But we'll get there someday. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I messed around with sync thing for a while on my, uh, raspberry Pi with the arc OS. Thanks to Jacob. Um, yeah, it's, I can't wait to see what more happens with that project. Um, I think, I think like we always compare it to Dropbox, but I think it was kind of difficult if I just wanted to, if I remember correctly to just like share like one file with you. Right. So I totally, right. I totally yeah. dig your idea. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's actually a use case that I wanted to address. Like maybe uh, you can create temporary links, you know, that, that are authorized for this amount of time. And then afterwards they'll expire or, you know, stuff like that, where you can share your files without needing to give this person access to all your stuff. Um. So, yeah, but right now it's still in the planning stages and it's very ambitious, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I'm looking forward to someone solving that problem because, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, 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 it's a pain point. I think sync thing would 
get a lot more adoption and be more like uh, processable for people if that was something that they could do. Yeah, um, I completely agree. Apparently, my mom said I give her too much credit. <laughs> uh, um, so I'm assuming she she's uh, teasing me that she didn't understand GitHub. I don't know. <laughs> um, so yeah, and your website it that sounds like another ambitious project for sure. I, I immediately like when you started saying what you wanted to do. I was like, oh, that sounds kind of like the indie web kind of camp going on. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I said, I have influences from all over because there's a lot of good ideas. I feel like that this is a pain for a lot of people that they that they're they feel like their lives are split up among a bunch of different places, and so it's hard to get like a cohesive sense of who you are unless you visit a bunch of different places. Um, so I do, I, I, I'm really interested in seeing who, who finally figures this out. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of what I'm trying to do on my own website with, you know, inspiration from the indie web guys, but also from tent. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Mom said she didn't understand. So mom, GitHub, Think of it as like GitHub is like the um, let's say it's the dining hall at the university. So if you're living in a suite and you can cook and make things in your suite because you could afford one in college, you (laughs) can cook and make stuff at home of your own or you could go to the dining hall. And so GitHub is where everyone, like she said, shares their code and you can change it, rearrange it sometimes and help them make cool things. <laughs> yeah, that's a great analogy. I tried. <laughs> uh, it definitely gets complicated though with uh files like like images, uh PSDs, mm-hmm. um videos, all of that all of that kind of media that it's um the changes that you can make to it, there's so much data involved in those changes as opposed right. to code, which boils down to very simple text files. And usually mm-hmm. the changes from one revision to the next is, you know, maybe tw- 10 or 20 lines, maybe even just five or six characters are different right. between this one and, and that one. And and it's significant that you can even parse it that way, like these, these lines changed, whereas yeah. in, in yeah. an image, you cannot do that. And honestly, I I feel like the solution will probably end up being some kind of uh, uh, some kind of new format, a, a new format that is more parsable than the binary blobs that we have now. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's like um, discussing tent over on Cupcake. I think it was uh, probably Jonas who's dabbling with like a new sort of uh format to store audio in because you know like something like just simply as i think he was using as example like dot album mm-hmm. you know and we were discussing that like while they were discussing it i was just throwing in what little i know <laughs> but uh 
I was just like, that would be so cool because how many times, like, I'm from the mixtape generation. So, like, how many times have I, you know, before we got married, sent, like, a USB drive or just a zip file to my wife-to-be saying, like, I made you a mixtape. But then as soon as she brings it into iTunes, it just gets parsed into the albums that it's originally from. Yeah, Um, yeah. iTunes has its own agenda about your mixtape. Yes, yes. So, and I'm still like, I mean, I'd said half the battle or half the fun, not the battle, half the fun of making a mixtape back in the day was like, you know, drawing some artwork for the cassette or making a collage. Come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. No, you're totally right. And, and being able to, to retain that information somehow. Uh, yeah. iTunes isn't going to cut it. And that's why I feel like maybe... The answer is new formats, but I'm not sure. I I don't think I'm going to be the one to do that because that's <laughs> kind of like too low level for me. But I don't know. If I have to, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> Famous last words. She's just going to revive .psp and then I will be happy. What's a .psp? <laughs> Wasn't that the extension for PaintShop Pro? Oh, maybe. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I have forgotten by now. Me too. I, I, <laughs> I learned on that program and I think you mentioned it in your email yeah. as part of your growing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. There was a, a portion of my life where I would try out any art program that I could get my hands on because it was like perfect. It was art and computers and I could do them both at the same time. What? And so I, I, you know, voraciously went through tutorials and in all kinds of stuff and even things that, that, I don't really have any application for now because like I, I started getting into 3D Studio Max, and uh, which I guess now is called 3DS Max. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it's like exclusively make, for make Nintendo, models. then. Yeah, it makes, <laughs> it makes Nintendo games, right? <laughs> no, just making models and figuring out how 3D works on a computer. Um, yeah, it was it was a lot of time just going through these programs and you know, fiddling with the preferences and the, you know, the sliders and the buttons and seeing what everything did. I just, uh, I was recently like looking at job postings and, uh, I was reading the one and it's, uh, you know, like it's unfortunate, but uh, a lot of times like universities, as far as they can be, um, behind, the real work world, they do have the money to buy like the latest software <laughs> for students. That's and then true. you get out you get out into the real world and like they're on OS nine or something because <laughs> it mm-hmm. works. Yeah, um, no, you're absolutely right. But yeah, yeah, I recently saw a job posting and like um listed under the skills was like they wanted someone to know Corel Draw and I was like, oh my wow. gosh, does that exist anymore? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I guess so. I mean, they still put put it out, and and they still make Paint Shop Pro too. Um, I think you can still get the Print Shop. Wow, <laughs> the original. 
<laughs> the old school print shop deluxe. Make your cards and fold them into quarters. <laughs> that that was one of the the programs that I had on a floppy in my Tandy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. My mom, I think someone gave that to her. And what was hilarious is if I remember correctly, um, it had like the giant book of like, it was just this huge book of like the various clip arts available so you could <laughs> yeah. preview them. <laughs> right. Because it was too slow to browse them in the computer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I was going to mention when you were talking about uh, the indie web stuff, have you seen um, Gina's site? Uh, no. He was, Gina was also. Oh, actually, yes. Yes, I have. Yeah. So uh, he's been doing, yeah, it seems like he got it to work really quickly. He just, you know, plugged in some stuff into his existing site and just got it going. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, definitely inspiring. I've been like, Hmm, that's kind of cool. And yeah, he's somehow formatted it in a way he has a post about it. I'll link to it in show notes, but uh, yeah, he's somehow linked, you know, if he just does like a post to Twitter or something, then that's not like an actual blog. It's a note. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the site and so so yeah there's like all these little sort of distinctions that he's made but yeah i i, I find it really cool i actually i think um uh if paul paul if you haven't seen it you might like it because gina does it just very cleanly and i know paul likes clean white pages true mm-hmm. <laughs> very true gina.net so yeah right <clears throat> but uh yeah that's so i really like it but it's kind of it's kind of like a stop gap kind of like you said, we really need something more comprehensive mm. um, than just sort of building these tools that, you know, because as far as I haven't looked into a lot of the indie web stuff, but, you know, what happens when, you know, something else comes along that everyone just died, said jump onto, like now we've got to recode something so we can post to Ello or something. Right. <laughs> no. Yeah, you're right. And, as new services pop up, you have to write, you know, some kind of bridge to that new thing. Um, but, you know, hopefully if if, peop- if enough people get their own site, you won't need the bridge anymore. You can just talk to people on their site and not have to syndicate to Twitter and Facebook or, you know, whatever else. Um, but, yeah, some some. A lot of some time and a lot of effort are going to have to be put in before that happens because right now, IndieWeb is is still in the like very experimental phase where you have to know how to code um, to be able to make anything useful. It's not like I, I do know that there's a pro, a project that has taken the IndieWeb principles and kind of made a service out of it. Um, it's called With Known. I think you can go there at uh, withknown.com and and so they they've taken the basic indie web idea and you can I think you can install it on your own server if you so choose but um you could also just uh, spin up a service and you'll get like uh, a a subdomain and um and be able to interact with all these indie web folks without needing to know any coding. So there's some progress being made, uh, but I think it still does have a long way to go. Hmm. 
just notice like, oh, cupcake, by the way, I, apparently I have a notification. <laughs> Someone else was trying to listen, but apparently he's behind a hotel in TrueNet, so he thinks that that's why it, the live page didn't work. Ah. So, yeah, I see others in the chat room, so I'm assuming that might be a good assertion. It's like uh, we're talking – I'm talking about um, someone who has the handle, which I guess I would translate as Linux Walt. <laughs> uh-huh. I love it when people have like crazy handles and I'm like, yeah, I know that person. Like I recognize the icon and stuff, but then when I have to say it out loud in the show, I'm like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I was just like responding to him. Sorry. Um, but I listened, I swear. <laughs> did you? <Yeah>. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so uh, what does someone who works on a TV show watch? Or don't you watch TV? <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, I don't watch that much TV. Um, well done. I, I, I'm a cord cutter. I, I don't have cable. Um, I, I do still have Netflix and I mentioned before that I'm watching Kimmy Schmidt. Um, I, you know, I, I mostly watch TV socially, like in groups. Um, I, I find that it's more fun that way. So, um, normally if, uh, the walking dead is on, I'll, I'll go with my walking dead bros. Um, or if game of Thrones is on, I'll go to, you know, the game of Thrones crew. So, um, but besides those, um, oh, and obviously Archer, which I watch with the Archer guys, <laughs> uh, and that's kind of it. That's. That's a really good point, though. Um, it's one that I think uh, I ranted on for like 20 minutes while Paul um, listened politely once uh, on the show <laughs> early on was about how um, there's such a value in movie theaters still because of the whole group kind of situation, you know? Yeah, yeah. getting to like experience people's reactions to a scene is really great. Yeah, yeah, it's... One of those things like my wife is not um, – she is probably like pre like proto cord cutter because she just didn't watch <laughs> a lot of TV or movies. So uh, when uh, we got together, I was like, oh, it's like this. And she's like, I've never seen that movie. And I just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so it's been fun to like show her things and she's always like – well, why do you want to watch this again? You've already seen it. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I, I totally get you where you're coming from because I think it's kind of weird when, like, the younger generation kids, like, watch, like, the same movie over and over again. But it's fun to watch with an audience or that is with you to watch your reactions to things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And sometimes, like, even – uh, like, when you know that something crazy is going to come up just to, like – look at them and see, like take a moment and see what they're going to, you know, how they're going to react to a particular scene. I think it's really fun. So yeah, there, there's, there's still, I, I mostly watch TV in social settings because it's more fun. Nice. And 
do you uh, do you partake in the podcasts? Do you listen to some shows or? You know, uh, not really. And it's funny because when I was an illustrator, I would listen to a bunch of podcasts, most of them like the NPR shows. Um, but now that I'm programming, I can't have another person talking while I'm trying to think or, you know, and so I, I can't even listen to music when I'm programming. So really, yeah, I, it just like, it takes me out of it. I, I, I want to like pay attention to that instead of what I'm trying to do. And so it just doesn't work. So I have to work in complete silence. I know uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the programmers uh, that I work with. Uh, if they listen to music, they will listen to something that's more or less atmospheric or maybe beat driven, but mm. not um, ha- typically has no words because mm-hmm. um, it is that whole cognitive thing of like you start processing the words right. and. Maybe, you know, if it's music that, like, this is your favorite album and you've heard it so many times that it is just, like, music to you now, mm-hmm. um, that can be different. But um, but I get that. I do um, – I actually do listen to podcasts for the most part uh, at work while I'm coding. Um, and some of it is that I am actually tuning it out, so I'm not particularly listening, but it's just the sound of voices in my head. Which mm-hmm. I guess is probably normal anyway, um, <laughs> and then, uh, but then I can like I don't know maybe I have like a keyword filter in my brain or something, and then uh, when I hear that particular for some particular phrase that I'm listening to this podcast for, I'll like stop typing for a couple of seconds, get five minutes of conversation, and then start going again. But uh, I but can see that I don't I don't listen to music and and. Uh, when I'm programming at least. Um, Mm -hmm. and that is an oddity, at least among the, the folks at work that code as well. Yeah. Yeah. I I can definitely see that, uh, probably if I, if I tried something more environmental or ambient or something without words, maybe that would work. Um, I think my problem is that I, I, I can't just, tune out um i like i like to be i I like to have ingested i guess every idea and so i i don't like missing anything i guess and so if i get into the coding thing i will have missed you know 10 or 15 minutes and then i have to go back and rewind it so uh, it's just it just doesn't make sense for me because i it yeah, because I, I need to get everything. It's like a it's like a tick, or I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I right. need to get everything, and, and so for me, it doesn't make sense. Well, I mean, truthfully, the uh, the music grabs your soul, and you just get up and dance, and then you don't get anything done. Is what I'm hearing. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I, I'm with you. Like I, I cannot, uh, it's very hard. Like, I mean, I know there's lots of data that's like, we do not multitask no matter what people say. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So like Paul said, I pretty much tune it out if it's in the background, but there was a while there where I actually 
had to have like something in the background because like silence would make me crazy. Um, but yeah, when I'm like writing, there's no way I can have like music or something playing unless it is just like ambient. But I usually turn it off because it does somehow distract me. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I used to be so jealous of those darn coding guys. Like everyone other headphones on jamming out and I'm over in the video editing suite. Like I have to kind of hear the sound too. <laughs> and Oh, well, that's true. The sound was also like part of your job. Yes. A million times I have to hear the sound. Like <laughs> mm, That's true. Yes, 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 yes. So yeah, that was always like, oh, you guys get to listen to fun stuff and I... Sent the same thing over and over. <laughs> right. This, I've been listening to the same ten seconds for the past hour. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then I take it to the client, and I'm like, "This is crap," because I've seen it so many times, it doesn't affect me anymore. Mm -hmm. and they're like, "We love this," and I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> right. Me too." <laughs> I concur. It's amazing. Yes, <laughs> I'm not totally sick of the way you pronounce El Segundo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Arturo has returned to the chat room. Much chatting is happening. It's all about poutine because this is Montreal sauce. <laughs> you know, I I haven't tried poutine. Everyone that goes to Canada talks about poutine, raves about poutine. I I definitely need to try it. But what what is poutine? Okay. So I'm going to tell you what I know, and then Jacob is totally going to correct me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> poutine. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> Jacob has an idea. It's a poutine rave. This sounds kind of dirty. Um, <laughs> um, so poutine is the basics. A poutine is like French fries. Hey, there's the French part. Um, French fries or <laughs> potatoes. With cheese curds and gravy. Okay. And it, it's just that's it. That's poutine. But it, <laughs> okay. But cheese I mean, curds. you mm -hmm. add gravy to something, it's pretty great. <laughs> that that sounds like it's going to be like really like extra extra rich like heart attack food. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> You're correct. <laughs> <laughs> You're correct. Like even talking about it now, like I feel heartburn and I haven't eaten since two. So. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. I mean, since everyone raves about it, I, I still would like to try it, even though, I don't know, heart, heart attack food. I would prefer not having heart attacks. Yeah. I was going to say, if you're not a meat eater either, there's not a lot of, you know, if you're vegan, <laughs> there's cheese and gravy. There's a problem here. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, yeah, so Jacob said, uh, I got it right. He says in uh, Quebec, it's served on a huge plate, often with toppings like ground beef and onions, etc. So, okay. yeah, it gets very potato nacho-y, as they would call it in the States, except I there's see. gravy. <laughs> um, okay. Now, yeah, when, you a, say, when you say gravy, what kind of gravy? That's a really good question. Um, <laughs> uh, sauce. It's the sauce. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I was just going to say, I went to like, there's a nice bar here in town that has lots of different beers that I like. Um, and they had a poutine and I was like, 
Ooh, I don't know if I've never. Ooh, I okay, I'll try it. I'm being adventurous, but mm-hmm. it was poutine um, as I described. But then the meat topping, and so then I'm assuming the gravy was probably made from that. Uh, was mm-hmm. duck? <laughs> really? Yeah, and uh, I was like, "Wow, I've never had duck," and "Wow, I'm never having duck again." <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, there's a, as Jacob described, there's another place here, uh, that I've always wanted to get poutine, but as you said, it sounds like a heart attack and this place serves it like in this huge square bowl that I was like, oh, is that like an appetizer for a bunch of people? Because that bowl has to be like six inches deep and like 12 inches wide. (laughs) I was like. I could, yes, I could have that as a meal if I wanted to die. Right. Um, and so every time I'm there, I'm with my wife who is a vegetarian. So uh, I'm all alone in this, this poutine. Yeah, you, you need to get some poutine bros. I need poutine bros. <laughs> we got to go watch Archer somewhere. That's right. Your poutine like wingmen. It. <laughs> the patine bro I like this and we're gonna we're gonna watch Archer I'll bring the microphone and then we'll eat poutine patine bros there you go <laughs> you can live poutine live poutine <laughs> I like it um <laughs> well thanks uh I'm gonna start wrapping it up because it's been two hours wow oh time wow you're when, right okay time flies when you're having fun I guess so so uh thanks so much for taking the time you and your cat for joining us <laughs> yeah she's really mad at me now because like i haven't been paying attention to her so she you know she's doing the uh, i'm going to put my back to you and flick my tail to let you know <laughs> that i'm angry oh i'm sorry but again thanks for <laughs> thanks for shunning your cat to join us <laughs> no you guys have been really great this has been really fun it's a good conversation. I'm glad. Um, so you're welcome back anytime to tell us about privacy or your experience with poutine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll, when, yes, I will make it a point to consume poutine at some point. <laughs> <laughs> poutine review. <laughs> we'll interrupt at the middle of a show with some other guest. But could you stop talking because we have a review coming in. For poutine. <laughs> yes, this just right. in. and had some poutine Um, uh, so yeah thanks to everyone for listening Uh, thanks to uh, Jacob and my mom in the chat room for chatting us up asking questions and learning about GitHub (laughs) that's right (laughs) and poutine teaching us about poutine Um, and And my love of semicolons (laughs) 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 My mom said thank you very much. She enjoyed listening. Wow. Oh, that's great. I got mom approval. You did. That's right. That's fantastic. Yeah. And so, yeah, thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, Paul and I just do this for fun. Uh, We don't – we haven't figured out how to monetize that because it's not a huge priority until we quit our jobs and you pay us to do this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So – yeah, thanks for listening. And um, next week is not Montreal sauce because uh, it'll be the bizarro world. No, uh, next week is uh, Film Frown podcast at the same time live. So we will be, Paul and I will be back with, uh, let's see, I think 
Uh, our guest is Steve, and I'm not sure who else is coming. Possibly Dan. Uh, I could be wrong because he's very busy. Maybe it's Steve and Sally. Anyway, <laughs> I will tweet that out. But, uh, <laughs> I'm film from. We are watching the awesome '80s film, The Chopping Mall. Um, <laughs> yes, look at that. Okay. It sounds right. like Jen is joining us too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she already has thoughts on it. I can tell. Yeah, an alternative ending or two. Right. We need to learn the code that runs these robots. Okay. So <laughs> that's why we're watching it because it's robots and robots are awesome. I hope. Uh, so that's next week, and then two weeks from then, uh, Jacob, who's been hanging out in the chat room will be back with us to talk privacy and maybe we'll get some Mark OS updates, things like that. So it should be a good time. Uh, and that will be Montreal sauce back in two weeks. So yeah, thanks for everyone for listening. And, uh, I think what we've already discussed my sign off a million times, which is when life gives you potatoes, make poutine. <laughs> <laughs> good night. Everyone. All right. Good night. Good night. <laughs>